Hello and welcome to Legal Thinking from RWK Goodman. I'm Liam Pape. And I'm Ed Wooten. In today's episode, we talk about split land and build matters and why you might want to do this. Uh, who are our guests today, Ed? Ah, well, today we have our very own um, David Lane, uh, who's a senior associate in our real estate team and helps business owners to acquire, dispose of and manage any interest in land. Um, And also Sam Lamb from Savills in the Oxford development team, who specializes in new build sales in particular. So, yeah, some um, perfect people to talk about this topic. Indeed. So without any further ado, let's roll tape. Uh, so David, just to kick us off, could you give us an overview of who you are and uh, who are the type of clients who you tend to work with? Yeah, so I'm David Lane, Senior Associate Solicitor at RWK Goodman and um, within our team we deal with commercial property matters and land development matters and it's um, on the, the land development side that um, is the reason why we're here today. Great. Okay. Yeah, because you mentioned why we're here today. We we're here today to talk about uh, split land and build matters. Um, what is that? <laughs> okay, so this is, um, this is a type of matter that we've started to see um, come to the fore a lot more recently, and it relates with um, relates to new builds. And, in, well, the traditional way of, of delivering new builds really has just been that um, someone will come in and view a property and you know, if they like it then they'll go ahead and they'll purchase it or it may be done off plan and they might have an input into the uh, into the finish of the property but fundamentally it's still done as a, a one-stage process where the buyer will just acquire the the finished article at the end and and move in whereas with with custom house building it takes place as a two-stage process, and within that, the the first element is is buying the land, which is normally as a bare plot, and then a separate agreement will be entered into with um, ordinarily the developer, and then once the the purchaser owns the land, then the developer will set about building the house, and that's obviously. A, quite a deviation from the the traditional way of doing it and there's a there's a sort of spectrum of outcomes within that so um for instance over um in in vista that people may have seen on on the grand designs program there's um some some self-built houses over there and that that planning permission is granted such that people will come in and purchase the property and then just look to to actually build the, the property themselves. Um, so that's kind of one end of things. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you might purchase your plot of land. And then at the same time as you complete on that purchase, you will then actually enter into a build contract with the, the seller slash developer. And um, as soon as you own it, then the developer will put in hand the, the build of the project and they'll do that to to your specification and design, and it, it's that end of the of the spectrum that we've been um, helping people out with mostly recently. And I mean, you've touched a little bit upon it there, but uh, could you just go into a little bit more detail about why people might want to do this? Sure. So there's there's four reasons really that I was thinking of why why people w- would do it, um, 
Uh, and firstly, from from the developer's perspective, it's quite advantageous because when when they're building houses, it obviously costs a lot of money, and you've got all the labour and all the the materials, and that's all been fronted up by the developer, and they only get the money in right at the end of the process. So it's actually quite good to to mitigate risk on their part if they're getting some money in, and approximately half of the the total value of of the house say for instance if if it was going to be a million pound property then the the land might be sold as a bare plot for for five hundred thousand pounds and the the build value itself might be subsequent half million so within this type of transaction if it's set up as a a split land and build matter then the the developer will be getting in uh, half the value up front and then as the build progresses and hits the key milestones, then they'll also be getting staged payments. So it actually mitigates risk in quite a big way for the developer. And then uh, the, the second of the, of the four reasons is uh, from the purchaser's perspective, then they get an input into the, the build process. They can choose different, different aspects they want. And um, by its very nature, a custom house build means that they'll be able to choose the layout and really deliver the home that they want to live in for the future. The, the third reason is a, f- a financial one. Again, this is linked to the purchaser. So if you um, if you take into account stamp duty, for instance, um, all these matters are different and we would always advise the client to, uh, to get their own independent advice on this front, but um, if, if they are acquiring, again, going back to my million pound house example, um, the, the bare plot for, for £500,000, then they would only pay stamp duty on, on that sum rather than the full sum of, of the million. So in that sense, it can be quite advantageous for the buyers. And also uh, in terms of um, SIL, which is community infrastructure levy, and that's a, a tax on developers whereby once they've got their planning permission they have to make contributions which go to the local area but um, with with self-builds um, there is an exemption so the, uh, if it goes through on that basis then actually that that can be waived so the sill payment wouldn't um, wouldn't be due and the, the last reason really is on, on the planning side of things which is kind of a wider point the um, Local authorities, they under pressure really to from the from government to increase custom house building, and each authority has um, a list where people can sign up and, and show their interest for for undertaking a, a custom or a self build. And um, in terms of the local authority approving planning permissions and approving schemes, then. Uh, they're they're much more amenable to do that now where there's going to be a custom or or self-built element because they're under obligations to to meet those those registrations so if there are a lot of people in a particular area that want to to undertake this kind of matter then the uh, the local authority needs to try and deliver on that Okay, great. Thanks for that. Um, I just wanted to maybe take it to uh, a kind of hypothetical and talk about uh, the process a bit 
in more detail. And I was wondering, David, if you could just perhaps start with a, an example scenario of when this kind of matter might come up. Okay, sure. So um, we've got a, a client at the moment and um, they've had a, a house presented to them or an, an opportunity whereby um, at the moment it's just a, a bare plot of land and um, the, the developer is in the process of um, looking to acquire it. And, and when they do, they will be passing on the land as a bare plot and um, our client is going to be purchasing that as the, the first half of the transaction uh, and I'm helping with that. So we undertake the normal conveyancing due diligence aspects on that to make sure that the title to the, the property is okay or to the land is fine and that there's not going to be issues with the land itself and it's got all the different rights and obligations. And... Um, once we're satisfied that it's going to be uh, a plot where they can get good title to it and it's actually going to be suitable for the development to take place, we would complete on that purchase. And whilst that's also going on on the transactional side, our colleagues would be helping to sort out the build agreement, again, with the seller slash developer. And, um, and they'll be making sure that that's that agreement's got all the right um, obligations on both of the different parties and the right protections in there, obviously to mitigate any risk whilst the, the build is going on, because um, that's one of the, the potential issues that um, you don't want to see. If there's any stumbling blocks which arise uh, during the, the build process, that there's the ability to for the client to still be covered in that event. And once the when the build agreement is is finalised, then we'd bring the two sides together, and we would simultaneously complete on the the land purchase, and then that would mean that the client owns the land, and at that same moment would enter into the build agreement, and then that gives the seller the ability to then go ahead and actually start the build project, and then from then it's just a case of uh, monitoring the the build as it goes. Thank you very much for that. And Sam, now I have some questions for you. Uh, when did you start to see custom build matters increase in frequency? Um, uh, well, over the past two years, I would say um, they were, you know, they, they they were in the market prior to that, but a lot more commonplace now. Um, and as David alluded to, I think that's born out of government policy and you know changes to individual planning policies across the county um, and there are four or five within our remit and they're slowly sort of creeping into to all of their all of their plans and as a result we're seeing the developers put in applications on sites that might otherwise perhaps be you know, perhaps planning might be difficult um, and they're you know they're, they're achieving that planning um, off the back of that and uh, we're also seeing implemented on larger developments so where there's a certain number of units and um, there'll be a requirement to, to provide a certain number of self-build plots and so yeah lots more lots more permissions being granted and, and you know, therefore much more prevalent in our market um, and you know two or three years ago we weren't really coming across it. It was a little bit more niche and 
yeah, buyers buyers are not educated at all. So a bit more of a difficult proposition to to sell. But as that experience is building, yeah, on our side and and generally yeah, sort of the market understanding what this is, um, it's becoming a lot more commonplace and more successful. Well. Yeah, yeah, you kind of you kind of alluded to it there, but what what are your experience with it over this kind of uh, time when it's an emerging thing? What are your experience with it so far? Well, I think like anything, people people just want to understand what what the risks are. I think it's easy to see the merits and the the, well, the primary advantage, aside from all the financial elements which are obviously appealing. Primary advantage is buyers get to choose exactly what they, you know, what's going into their house. You know, like with any planning permission, the external elements are, are somewhat fixed, but the, the fit out and the design, all the things that people really care about, how they're going to use the house, they, they control. And I would say 90% of people who buy secondhand homes or, or, or often new build homes, you know, they're not entirely satisfied with everything and there are always changes they want to make. So this is an opportunity to do something which means you don't have to make any changes. So the appeal has always been there. The risk element is the thing which people have needed educating on, and you know what risks are there, how that's how they're mitigated, um, and you know, lots of at the beginning. You know we were obviously you know, understanding what people's concerns were and trying to mitigate them on a sort of ad hoc basis. But since then, you know, we've put together guides which are really helpful and they explain that you know, the the investment that you make through the project is always trailing the value of the build. So you know, you pay for things retrospectively. You, you don't overpay for the plot of land. Therefore, you've got that value that's protected. And then as the house is built, you know, the walls are up, the roof's on, then you pay for that. And your value, you know, the asset is worth uh, you know, as much or more than what you've invested to date. That, that's the principle and that's that's the financial assurance that, that people really need to get their head around, I think. Um, and, and also it, financial circumstances dictate you know, to a large degree who can buy in this way. You know, it does require a certain amount of equity. So just to pick up on that point, actually, uh, how have you seen buyers finance these types of purchases? Uh, in various ways, some of them are cashed, if they're lucky enough. And um, more often than not, they'll have a good amount of equity and they'll either um, fund it by releasing some equity from the existing house to fund the entire build or release equity uh, or, or have some, some amounts of savings to buy the plot and then fund the remaining balance through a self-build mortgage, which uh, is a product that's existed for a long time, um, you know, they're, they're readily available in the market. And they, um, as part of the process, the lender effectively is another, you know, sort of safeguarding tool for, for a buyer to have that lender involved. You know, they're going to send their own surveyors. They're going to see the, the progress on site. They're going to make sure it's financially viable. So uh, yeah, either cash or, or using a, a self-built mortgage, but both, both work really well. Um, it's not, you're raising the finance isn't prohibitive, provided you've got uh, enough equity to fund the plot purchase. That's the, that's the element which is difficult for some people, of course, because not everyone's got you know, 30, 40, 50% of 
um, cash to cash or, or equity available to to buy that that piece of land. And for fear of uh, repeating yourself, um, could you just speak more specifically about the, the the kind of challenges that you've come across with custom builds? Um, yeah, well, I think for some people, it, the, the idea is really appealing, but perhaps their financial situation doesn't innate, you know, doesn't allow for it. So that that's obviously going to rule out some of the market. Um, although there are lots of creative ways of, of financing things and refinancing existing assets and so on, um, but fundamentally there's got to be a certain amount of equity in what they own to to fund that land purchase. Um, so that's that's the first sort of major obstacle. Um, in terms of attracting buyers, I think the same obstacles that apply for any early stage sale, so custom build, self-build, or, or even off-plan, engaging buyers at that stage. Um, so some will want to move, so most people in the market will want to move within three to, yeah, three to six months. In these cases, it's going to be longer than that. It's going to be sort of, you know, nine to 12, in some cases, longer. Um, so it won't suit everyone's sort of time frame. Um, but for those people who are prepared to wait, the key thing is, is making sure they get the vision and you know, lots of really high quality marketing, CGI imagery, uh, fly throughs and get, getting, getting a really clear picture together of what the, house is going to look like, what the streetscape is going to look like, what the you know, view from the, the bedroom windows is going to be. I think those are all really critical at that first stage when you're just trying to get some interest. And then what follows is the, the intricacies around financing and the process and timescales. Um, so th- those, are the, those are the obstacles, some of which apply to every sale um, and some of them are, are specific to this particular process. And finally, maybe a question for both of you. Do you think that the use of custom builds requirements as a part of the planning approval process can actually make a difference in the government meeting their target of significantly increasing the volume of custom builds? Sam, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I think I think there's clearly an appetite for it. And it doesn't I think that given that planners are more willing, there's a presumption that your site will get a permission, even if there's some other elements that don't quite work, they're, they're more willing to grant the permission. That means that these, these, lots of these developments are not coming, you know, instead of another type of development, they're, they're adding to that delivery of housing. So that's one element, which just suggests that it's going to only going to help. Um, in terms of demand, yeah, the UK is still, you know, this makes up a, a small fraction of the overall houses delivered and built. So, yeah, if you look at elsewhere, you know, across Europe, there's so much more potential for us to, to grow this market. So, yeah, I, th- I think I think it can help. But I don't know if it's helping enormously at the moment, even though it's becoming more prominent. I think there's lots of potential for it to grow. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I found a, s- a stat about in, in Germany, 55% of new homes are delivered by way of self or custom build, which is obviously dramatically higher than what we've got in this country at the moment. So it's obviously doable. And I think when it becomes more prevalent in people's minds and people are, are more, more used to sort of seeing this way of, of doing it, then um, I think it will continue to expand because obviously with our 
issues around housing um, in this country and we just need to deliver more of it than any ways which um, assist and assist with that are going to be a good thing. David and Sam, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to Legal Thinking and thank you to our guests um, for joining us on today's podcast. Uh, if you want to find out more about the topic that was discussed today, make sure to have a look in the show notes where we will have linked everything up. And you can find all of the back episodes of Legal Thinking in your podcast provider of choice. And you can also subscribe and follow us on there too. And as always, make sure you leave us a five-star review on a podcast provider of choice as that helps other people find us. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.